Praise the Lord. I'll invite you to turn your Bibles tonight to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. We want to read um, um, a little bit of Scripture here this evening and uh, identify a story that the Bible is is, uh, speaking to us about, something that really happened. You know, I think a lot of times we read Bible stories and we look at them like fairy tales, but these things really happened. And uh, more importantly than just knowing that they happened, there's a principle behind this story that's uh, uh, absolutely uh, critical for us to understand in our walk of faith. We'll start in uh, Acts chapter 16 and verse 16. And it came to pass as we, Paul and his company, went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. She's a little fortune teller, in other words. And the same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this did she many days. I don't know how many days is, but it's more than a few, I guess. This did she many days, but Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus, come out of her. And he came out the same hour. Now, he didn't do this the first day. He did this after many days. So apparently the Holy Ghost just prompted him to take action after a long period of time. So this uh, evil spirit came out the same hour. Verse 19, And when her masters saw that the hope of their gains was gone, it's all about money for them, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace under the rulers and brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men being Jews do exceedingly trouble our city. Well, the only trouble they brought was they cost them money. And teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates ran off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. Verse 25. And at midnight, I believe this was literally midnight, but it could be representative of the midnight hour of your circumstance or your situation, your darkest hour. At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. Now there's more to the story about the keeper of the prison getting saved and his family and so forth. But what I want you to see is a principle. You can praise your way into victory. Now, the most important thing to me in this story is the answer did not come when they prayed. See, that's what everybody wants. Oh, pastor, pray for me. Get all the people they can praying for them. The answer rarely comes when you pray. Their answer came when they prayed and sang praises unto God and the prisoners heard them. Over and over again, the Bible says that God answers the praises of his people. Because praise is the highest type of faith. And, and we can get caught up in this, this idea, this, this notion, and it's true, certainly true. The Bible says, Jesus said, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he'll give it to you. But he didn't intend for you just to ask and that be the end of it. He intended for you to follow the Bible principles of praying and praising God. Psalm 22 verse 3 says, the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. The Lord inhabits the praises of his people. Well, how does that apply to us? I thought he inhabits us. Doesn't he live on the inside of you? Haven't you made Jesus the Lord of your life? Well, that means the Holy Spirit indwells your spirit. That means he's inside of you. Well, okay, that's great. So why does it say he inhabits the praises of his people? What it means is simply this. God shows up when you praise him. At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises. There was a um, uh, there was a story that uh, uh, 
uh, Brother Hagin told about a, a gentleman that was a, a, an evangelist back in the late 30s, early 1940s. And this, uh, this guy was, uh, he called him Brother B. I don't know what his name was, but he always called him Brother B. He said Brother B was, uh, was an evangelist. He'd go and he'd have revival meetings. He'd set up tents in, in different uh, communities and towns and different things like that. Well, Brother B had tuberculosis. And uh, at the end of his revival meetings, everywhere that he went, he would always ask the people. Last night, he would tell them the story. He'd say, now, I've been diagnosed with tuberculosis, and I want to ask you a question. How many of you will pray for me every day? Well, who's going to say no to that, you know? And so everywhere that he went, there were hundreds, even thousands of people that had committed themselves to pray. Well, Brother B got worse and worse and worse, and finally he couldn't keep up his, uh, his ministry circuit schedule. And uh, so he went to live with his, uh, his parent, uh, his uh, wife's parents, his father-in-law's, and um, they lived out on a farm somewhere. And so he just kept getting worse and worse and worse, and his, his lungs were hemorrhaging, and, and he was just losing strength daily, and he, he couldn't even hardly turn his head on the bed. But one day, as he was in this dire and critical condition, just, you know, life just, you know, leaking out of him, basically, he looked off and uh, his, he said his father-in-law was down on one part of the, the farm uh, plowing fields. His, uh, his wife and, and her mother were out in the back somewhere doing laundry or, you know, hanging up the clothes on the old clothesline type stuff and that kind of thing. And, uh, and he looked off into the, out the window and he saw a clump of trees out there. And it just looked like such an idyllic setting to him. And, and he just said, just, he just prayed and talked to the Lord about it. He said, Lord, if you could just give me the strength to get out there, then I'd stay out there and pray. Until I'm healed or I die. Now, folks, I gotta, I gotta admit to you, that's not real strong faith in operation. Until I'm healed or I die. Faith doesn't really give you an or else. Faith says, here's what my, his mind according to the word. So he's not operating on some high level of faith, but somehow or another, he got the strength. He worked up the strength to drag himself out there and it took everything he had. And finally, when he got out there under that clump of trees or bushes, whatever it was, he just fell down. Nobody knew where he was. He just fell down and he was completely out of, out of strength. So he's laying out there. And the first thing the devil said to him was, now you've messed up. You've gotten out here where nobody knows. You're too weak to even cry out and call for help. You're going to die under these bushes and nobody's going to even know where you are for days. Well, he's laying there and he just, he just spoke back to the devil. He just said, no. He said, I'm, I'm going to stand, lay here for a few moments and get my strength and then I'm going to pray until I'm healed or until I die. And while he was laying there trying to get his strength, he got to thinking about all those revival meetings he went to. And all the times at the end of the revival, the last nights of that revival meeting, how many times he had asked, how many people will pray for me? How many people will remember me in your prayers every day? He started adding them up and he said there were thousands, maybe tens of thousands of people that had committed to pray. And he got to thinking, he said, well, if prayer was going to do the job, it'd already be done, wouldn't it? Folks, that's what you need to understand. Once you pray, that's it. If prayer was going to get the job done, and, and somehow or another we have the idea that if we just keep praying over and over and over again for stuff, if we get enough prayer, somehow or another God will hear us. Maybe it'll be like the story in the Bible where the guy gets pestered enough by his neighbor that finally he gets up out of bed and gives him what he wants. Folks, that's not a picture of God answering prayer. That's not what it's like at all. But apparently that's what people think because everybody wants to get as many people praying as they can. But he realized if prayer was going to get the job done, I've got thousands of people, maybe tens of thousands of people praying for me at least every day, mentioning me in their prayers every day if they're keeping their commitment. If prayer was going to get the job done, wouldn't it already be done? 
So he got to thinking about all those people praying. Now, he believed in prayer. He believed in God. So he believed in prayer, and so he got to thinking about all those people that were praying. If they had just, if, if all those people had just said one prayer, not just every day, but just said one prayer, there's still thousands or maybe tens of thousands of prayers that's gone up for him. So he got to thinking about that, and so he just started out whispering. All he could do was whisper. He just said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Well, after two hours, he was standing upright on his feet, shouting so loud that they heard him from two miles away. Now, some people hear that story and say, oh, isn't that a great thing? Isn't that a wonderful thing how Jesus healed him out there underneath those trees? Folks, prayer wasn't what did it. But when he began to praise, when he prayed and praised, sang praises unto God, that's when the Lord did something about it. Turn back with me to the Old Testament. Second Chronicles chapter 20. One of my favorite stories in the Bible. I love this story. Second Chronicles chapter 20. See, this is not just a New Testament doctrine. This has always been the way that it works. But I think too few of us understand this is really how it works. Because too few people seem to operate this way. Second Chronicles chapter 20. I'm going to start in verse 1 and read the whole thing. Because it's all good. It came to pass after this also that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon and with them others beside the Ammonites came against Jehoshaphat to battle. Jehoshaphat's king of Judah. And there came uh, some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There comes a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side Syria. And behold, they be at some place which is in Engedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. Now, when it says he set himself to seek the Lord, wouldn't you understand that means to pray? Wouldn't you understand that that means he's starting off looking at God as his answer? He's already starting to talk to God about this. Well, what else is seeking God if not talking to him and praying? So he sought himself to seek the Lord and claimed to fast throughout all Judah. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, so here's this prayer. He's already been talking to God about it personally, but now he's going to pray in front of everybody. And here's his prayer. Please notice his prayer. The Bible says that there's five armies, five different armies that are coming out against him. They're hopelessly outnumbered. There's no way militarily that they have a chance in this fight. And here's his prayer. O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? Now, call me simple, but I think that gets God's attention. He didn't start off whining about the problem. He started asking God if he really was who he says he is. Are you not God in heaven? And rulest thou not over the kingdoms of the earth or the heathen? And in your hand is there not power and might so that none is able to withstand thee? In other words, he's saying, God, aren't you big enough for this? He's not saying that we're not big enough. He's asking, God, aren't you big enough for this? I love this prayer. Now, you pray this prayer in public nowadays and people will just run you out of town. Oh, the very idea. How arrogant can somebody be to pray this way? Well, folks, this way of praying works. Verse 7. Are you not our God who did drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people and gave it to the seed of Abraham and your friend forever? In other words, haven't you already given us this land? Didn't you do that? Isn't that you? 
And they, the people of God, dwelt therein and have built thee a sanctuary therein for thy name, saying... Now, what he's saying is, when we dedicated the temple in this land that you gave us, this was our prayer. Do you not remember this? This is their prayer. Here's what we said. If when evil comes upon us, as with the sword or judgment or pestilence or famine... If we stand before you, this house and in your presence, for your name is in this house, and cry unto thee in our affliction, then thou wilt hear and help. Didn't you say that? Folks, I don't know if you realize this or not, but he's reminding God of his word. You want a prayer that works? Pray the word. And that's exactly what this is. Every part of this is what God has told them or spoken to them about before, previously. He's saying, aren't you this one? Aren't you who you said you were? Didn't you tell us that if when trouble came against us and we stood in this house and called upon your name, you'd hear us and help us? Didn't you tell us that? Verse 10, now he's going to mention what the problem is. All this other stuff has been before you ever told God what the problem is. Well, I wish you could get that across to people. First thing they want to do is start crying about the problem. First thing you ought to do is start reminding God of what his word says. And then bring along the problem. And now, behold, the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom thou would not let us invade. It's almost like he's blaming God. We wouldn't have a problem with Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir if you'd let us invade them. But no, you told us not to when you gave us this land. And now behold, the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whom thou wouldst not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and destroyed them not. Behold, I say... How they come to reward us to come to cast us out of thy possession. I love this. He says it's not our land, it's your land. Come to cast us out of thy possession which thou hast given us to inherit. O our God, will you not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. Now, folks, I would submit to you that that last phrase, we have no might and we don't know what to do, is most of what everybody else prays. Oh, Lord, we just can't handle this. Oh, Lord, we just don't know what we're going to do here. But notice how they did it. They couched it in God's word about who he says he is, the inheritance that he gave them, the fact that he is God over the heathen of the world, the heathen kingdoms of the world, and he made them a promise that if we are in trouble and we call upon your name in this place, you said you'd hear us and help us. Now look at what's going on. We need your help. Verse 13, And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. I wonder how long they stood there. See, we read it from verse to verse, and we, we imagine that everything just happened instantly. One thing followed immediately after the other. I wonder how long they stood there. Do you always get instant answers to your prayers? Does that mean God didn't hear you? course not I wonder how long they stood there they stood there as long as it took and all judah stood before the lord with their little ones their wives and their children's then upon jehaziel the son of zechariah the son of benaiah the son of jeiel the son of madaniah a levite of the sons of asap came the spirit of the lord in the midst of the congregation one guy starts speaking by the spirit of the lord now folks now whatever he says there's going to be plenty of opportunity for people to disagree because it's just one guy going to be plenty of opportunity for people to say well i don't know about that do we really trust that one guy god didn't write it in the sky it didn't come with some proof quote unquote 
so that they would know that it was God and they knew that it could trust it. It came upon one guy that was inspired by the Holy Ghost to speak. Now, how did he say it? Did he say, wait, 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 the Holy Ghost has given me something to say? Or did he just start speaking out and let everybody think whatever they wanted to about it? How did it work? I don't know. But regardless how it came, they still had the same opportunity that you have to believe something that is said in line with God's plan and purpose. Just because God says something, it's not automatic. It's up to you and what you do with it. So the Spirit of the Lord comes on this Jehaziel. And he said, verse 15, Hearken ye all Judah and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and be thou, and thou King Jehoshaphat. Thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. Tomorrow go ye down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz, and you shall find them at the end of the brook where before the wilderness of Jeruel. You shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. Now, I can just imagine everybody jumped and danced and shouted and had a big old time. I mean, if not before, they're certainly having church now. Wouldn't you agree? Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and of the children of the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord of Israel with a loud voice on high. Something to praise God about now. They've got a promise from God. But folks, you need to understand, it's just a promise. There's not one enemy soldier that fell over dead yet. It's just a promise. It's kind of like the word of God that says Jesus took your infirmities and bore your sicknesses and with his stripes you were healed. That's a promise. It's telling you something that's already accomplished. But that in and of itself won't do anything about the sickness that's attacking your body. Depends on what you do with it. Well, great evening. Everybody was dancing, having a high heel time. But the end of the night comes and everybody goes to bed. Verse 20, and they rose early in the morning and went forth in the wilderness of Tekoa. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you always feel the same on Monday morning as you feel on, uh, I'm sorry, do you always feel the same Monday morning as you feel in church on Sunday? I mean, we can have a great service. We can get all jazzed and excited about the things of God. We can have God speak to us. We can see God heal somebody. We can see any number of things. And then Monday morning comes along. You know as well as I do, you don't wake up feeling the same on Monday morning as you felt on Sunday when you were in the presence of God. What are you going to do then? If I was Jehoshaphat, the biggest problem I would see with this prophecy, with what the Jehaziel said by the Spirit of the Lord is tomorrow. Let's get this thing done today while everybody's jumping and dancing and shouting. Get people excited, you can get them involved. Give them a night to sleep on it, not so much. So tomorrow comes around. They rose early in the morning, went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall you be established. Believe in his prophets, so shall you prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he's encouraged them. He's having to get some of them on board. Folks, these are people just like you and me. Not everybody is excited the next day. 
When he consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord and that should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and to say, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Please notice he put the singers out in front of the fighting men. I can see two groups of people that might have a problem with that. The fighting men and the singers. You know, these warriors, these army guys, they they want to get out there. What do you mean we have to follow the singers? The singers? Seriously? What are the singers going to do? Throw their harps? And on the other side, the singers are saying, no, wait a minute. We didn't hear this yesterday. Where was that in the prophecy? It said that God, the battle is God's, not ours. It said, don't be dismayed for the Lord will be with us. But where does it say put us front? Folks, these are real people. Don't read the story like it's something other than folks like you and me. So he appointed singers unto the Lord that should praise the beauty of the holiness. And as they went out before the army and to say, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. He even told them what to sing. Sing, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Verse 22, and when, everybody say when, and when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord said ambushments. When did the real deliverance begin to work? When they began to sing and to praise. Now show me what the difference is in Acts chapter 16, verse 25. Paul and Silas at midnight began to sing, uh, at at midnight Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God and the prisoners heard them. The next verse said, and suddenly there was a great earthquake. Show me the difference in that and this. Is there any? None whatsoever. We don't know what Paul and Silas prayed in prison, but it must have had something to do with getting them out of prison. Because they're singing like they've got victory. And what did they get? Victory. Why? Because when you sing and praise, that's when the Lord starts working. Well, why didn't he work when we pray? Because praise is an element of faith. And you can't receive anything from God except by faith. Praise, is, uh, praise has been said to be the highest type or form of faith. I think that's right. Because it's, it's what you praise God about that's what you really believe. You can say you believe anything in the world, but if you're not praising God for it, how much do you really believe it? If you're not acting on it in some way or another, how much do you really believe it? You can say, yeah, the Bible says... But if you're not thanking God for it because it's true, how much do you and I really believe this? When they began to sing into praise, the Lord said ambushments. Now, we won't go through the rest of the story, but it says the enemies begins to, the, all the enemy armies begin to fight against each other. By the time these, the Israelites the, the, uh, got to them, all that was left were the dead bodies, and it took them three days to carry off all the stuff. They stripped them of gold, jewels, and precious things, whatever they had. It took them three days to carry away the stuff. Why? Because they prayed and sang praises. They prayed and sang praises. Raymond T. Ritchie was a, uh, an evangelist back in the, the 40s and 50s. And, uh, and he came upon a lady. He wrote about it in his book. One of the testimonies that was given in his book. It may have been her testimony. I'm not sure if he wrote it or, or he just reported what she said. But anyway, he got to this place. This lady had asthma. Just real, real severe asthma. 
And um, uh, medical science was different back then than it is now, and, and so obviously they treated people in different ways. Her husband worked in the oil fields down in uh, the southern Texas, I think it was, and uh, made good money. And back in those days, he spent over $10,000 on her, taking her back and forth to different doctors and hospitals and so forth. Well, that'd be like a couple hundred thousand dollars today, medical bills, the equivalent of. And so uh, doctors couldn't do anything about it, and, and they were part of the Pentecostal church and organization. And so she'd go to, to every healing revivalist or, or every evangelist or whoever. She'd just get every preacher to pray for her that she could. And so she got to Brother Richie, and he started to lay hands on her, and he stopped, and he said, uh, You've been prayed for before, haven't you? She said, oh, my, yes. I've been prayed for by, and she started naming everybody that is everybody. My pastor here, the pastor over in the next town, this evangelist, this guy came through last year. I had him pray. She just had a big old long list of just about everybody in the world that she'd been prayed for, prayed for by. And so Brother Richie said, uh, he said, well, sister, he said, uh, seems like enough prayer has been made for your situation, don't you think? Well, she was confused, and she said, but... You mean you're not going to pray? I've still got asthma. I don't understand. You're not going to pray? And so he said, uh, he said, ma'am, he said, will you do what I tell you to do? She said, well, if I can, sure. He said, here's what I want you to do. He said, I want you to start thanking God for your healing. And she said, well, I couldn't do that. I'm not healed. You can see where she is. She's waiting to see something before she believes it, which is why none of the other prayers worked. So he said, okay. He said, I understand. He said, now, ma'am, he said, how about this? Do you believe God's word to be true? She said, oh, yes. He said, all right. Matthew 8, 16 says, Jesus took your infirmities and bore your sicknesses. And with his stripes you were healed. 1 Peter 2, 24 says, Jesus took upon himself your sicknesses and with his stripes you were healed. Can you thank God for his word? She thought for a minute. She said, well, yes, I guess I can do that. He said, all right, here's what I want you to do. Here's Brother Richard was one of the best greatest, most renowned healing revivalist in the, or healing evangelist in, in the country at that point in time. And he didn't even pray for it, never touched her, never did a thing. And he said, all right, so here's what I want you to do. He said, I want you every day to say, according to the word of God, I'm healed. Thank you, Father, for the word. Sounds simple enough. So she said, well, yes, I can do that. Sure, I can do that. He said, all right, that's what I want you to do. I want you to do it every time you think about your situation. Stop. And instead of thinking about how much this, you know, how inconvenient this is or how much it hurts or whatever, I want you to stop and think, just think and say just exactly what I said. According to the word of God, I'm healed. Thank you, Father, for the word. Well, her testimony was she got so caught up in doing that. She'd be standing at the, at the sink washing dishes and she'd just start thanking God for his word. She's not thinking about her situation. She's thanking God for his word because his word's true. She's just choosing to believe it. Situation hadn't changed, but now she's choosing to change her attitude toward the word concerning her situation. So she said she got so caught up in that that she begins to, to praise God for the word morning, noon, and night. She said a period of time went by, and she at breakfast one morning she stopped, and she, she was kind of startled, and her husband was sitting there with her. She said, well, you know, I just thought about it. I don't know how long it's been since I've had an asthma attack. He spoke up, and he said, I do. He said, it's been 30 days ever since you started thanking God for the word. Well, that's when she wrote in for the testimony. Those 30 days, by the time the testimony got there, those 30 days had stretched into several months, and he kept up with her. It stretched into several years. To Brother Richie's knowledge, she never had another asthma attack. Now, she was prayed for by everybody. 
And, but she was looking for one more person to pray. And see, folks, if prayer is the, if you're putting all your faith in the prayer basket, so to speak, then there's always going to be one more prayer that needs to be prayed. But at what point do we take the position that if prayer was going to do it, prayer alone is going to do it? Wouldn't it already be done? Now, some people will hear this and they'll think that I'm, I'm denigrating prayer, and I'm not at all. Prayer has its place. But prayer alone didn't bring Paul and Silas their answer in Acts chapter 16. And prayer alone didn't bring Jehoshaphat and Judea or Judah their answer in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Praise creates an environment for God to work. Turn back with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 5. Let me show you something else. Here's something that, that Jehoshaphat references about the temple. 2 Chronicles chapter 5 is the dedication of the temple. Notice verses 13 and 14. 2 Chronicles 5 verse 13. And it came even to pass as the trumpeters and singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord saying, For he is good for his mercy endures forever. I wonder if that's why Jehoshaphat had them sing that in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. When they began to sing... For the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever that then the house was filled with the cloud, even the house of the Lord, so that the priest could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. Now, folks, certainly this was a special event. This was a special situation because here's the here's God's plan. Here was God's dream of a temple among his people being fulfilled. But God's ultimate dream didn't have anything to do with this temple or the second temple or the third temple. God's ultimate dream is to live in you and me. So if God filled the house with a cloud because they sang in praise as a congregation, what do you think would happen in you that the Bible calls the temple of God when you sing in praise? Why wouldn't he fill you with the glory of God? Just like he filled the Solomon's temple with it. Well, the fact is he does. That's why the Bible says he inhabits the praises of his people. It's singing praises that lead you into victory. It's not just prayer. Prayer is a great thing. But prayer is just the beginning point. Prayer is not the point where it's the end of your faith. Prayer is just the beginning point of your faith. Well, what's the action of your faith? One of the actions of your faith can always be singing praises unto God. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises. I wonder what would happen if all the people that were praying about their situation and have been praying about their situation forever would start praising God for the answer. I wonder if they're like Paul and Silas sitting at midnight having prayed, now sitting around, instead of singing and praising, waiting for God to shake the earthquake or make the earthquake shake the prison and open everybody's doors. Folks, prison doors only open when you sing praises. Not just because you pray. Prayer is part of it. But the answer came when they began to sing. The Bible says in Jehoshaphat concerning Israel, and when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord said ambushments. I like that because it tells you the, the, it tells you the timeline of things. And when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord said ambushments. I wonder when he began to work in your situation. Now, you can sit back and say, well, I've already prayed, so I believe he is working in my situation. That's great. But if you really believe he's working in your situation, then why aren't you singing because of the answer? Even though you can't see the answer. You know the story. I've told you this story over and over again about Lillian Yeomans. She was a medical doctor that uh, uh, that got hooked on morphine. 
she was taking it to, to try to extend her day, keep her awake or whatever, I don't know, for some some reason re- regarding her medical practice. And she thought, just like everybody else thinks about drugs, well, I can handle it. Just because other people get hooked on things doesn't mean I will. Well, she did. She became a slave to morphine. There was, it cost her a medical practice. It uh, ruined her life. There was nothing anybody could do for her, and so she went to the Word. She went to the Bible and found out what the Scripture says about healing, received her healing, and was instantly and completely delivered. I say instantly. It happened over a period of time. But, uh, but it was through her study of the Word and accepting what the Bible says about on the subject of healing that she received deliverance. Well, she didn't. She, instead of going back to her medical practice, she was very well known in Chicago where she had practiced, and, and everybody knew about her situation. Everybody knew what it was. She publicized that she was healed by the power of God. So instead of going back to the medical profession, she went into to the ministry. She developed, a, she took the, the, uh, the house that her father had left her and her sister, great big old house, palatial home, three stories, I think, uh, 15 rooms or something like that, 15 bedrooms, something like that, big, great big old place. She turned it into a healing ministry. And so she would have sick people in those rooms, those bedrooms, and she'd minister, she and her sister would minister to these people. Well, there was a waiting list. People found out about what was going on. Like I said, she had a tremendous reputation and everybody knew of her testimony of healing. And so as a result, there was uh, quite a long waiting list, several years waiting list for people to come in. So they had to get them healed quick so that people wouldn't die while they were waiting to get in. And uh, there was one lady that had uh, had gotten there and, and uh, she was expecting this tremendous um, something to happen. She didn't know, and, and, but, but something was something miraculous was going to happen and deliver her and get her out of bed. And so she was there for one week and she was there for two weeks. She was there for three weeks and nothing was happening. She got really agitated. Every morning and every, uh, during the morning, during the afternoon, Dr. Yeomans or her sister would come in, bring them a meal, read Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13, uh, read, the, read chapter 3 of Galatians and read Deuteronomy chapter 28. That was their method of ministry. That's how Dr. Yeomans got healed, Galatians 3 and Deuteronomy 28. So that was their pattern. And so this lady was frustrated. Oh, she was frustrated. She had some kind of respiratory condition. don't know exactly what it was, but it was terminal. And if she didn't get some help, she was going to die. And she was just sure that this thing was going to work just on the snap of a finger. As soon as she got in there, she was going to get healed, and that was going to be the end of it. So she's laying there complaining, just complaining frustrated, waited so long to get into this place, and now they're not doing anything except feed me and read the Bible to me. Then all of a sudden she had a vision. She had a vision of one of these great big old scales like they used in the marketplace, used to use in the marketplace. One side had a basket, and that basket was labeled prayer. The other side had a basket, and that basket was labeled praise. And she saw that the prayer basket was lifted all the way, was all the way down to the bottom. The praise basket was all the way up on top. And the Lord spoke to her and he said, when the praise balances out the prayer, that's when your healing comes. Well, she got busy. She started praising God. Now, it's a whisper because she's got some respiratory condition. She can't speak very loud, but she just starts whispering praises, but she starts getting stronger. And pretty soon she's, she's singing these little songs, still quiet, but little songs, and everybody in the other rooms are hearing them, and it starts picking up, and everybody else is picking up on these songs too. It starts lifting everybody's spirits. Pretty soon, uh, a couple of days, couple, well, how long was it? I think it was seven days went by. All of a sudden, one day, Dr. Yeomans is downstairs preparing the next meal, whatever it is, and hears a scream come from the upstairs. And when she hears this scream, the next thing she hears is somebody running down the steps. And they're thinking, well, that's unusual. There's nobody upstairs that, that we know of that can run. 
So all of a sudden she meets this lady in the hallway and this lady's jumping up and down screaming, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed. Well, what had happened, they found out after the fact, that after about seven days, she's just singing praises. It's starting to get on other people. Praises are contagious, folks. You start singing praises, people around you will catch on with it. They may not understand, but it'll affect them too. And so it had kind of caught on. It kind of caught on a little fire throughout the household. And she said that she was just minding her own business, praising God. She got caught up in it. She got, she forgot about her condition and started getting caught up in and focusing on what she needed to do, which was praise God. Then she had another vision. In this vision, she saw that the prayers, praise basket and the prayer basket were evened out. And instantly the power of God came upon her and she was healed. And that's when she screamed and jumped up and started running around the house. She started running through every room screaming, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed. Told everybody else, boy, you talk about people starting to sing for real then. Several other people in the house got healed at the same time because it was an encouragement to them and they started thanking God for their answer. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises. That was midnight for that woman because she had her hopes on Dr. Yeomans. She got into the healing rooms and she found out there's nothing special here. Or so she thought. So it was midnight for her. She was in desperate need. And that's when she saw. The answer is in praising God. Folks, you can praise your way to victory in any situation you're in. I don't care how critical it is. I don't care how how last minute it is. I don't care how anything it is. You can praise your way to victory. And if you have to start like the woman that Dr. Uh, Brother Richie was dealing with, if you can only praise God because his word's true, that's a great place to start. You can praise your way to victory. Quit praying and start praising God. Now, you know what I mean by that, don't you? When I say quit praying, I'm talking about if you've already prayed about your situation, God heard you. No need to tell him again. Now start praising God. Now start praising God for your answer. Let's all stand. I wonder what the results would be if we really took this serious. I mean, if it became something more than just a Bible story and it became a lifestyle for us, when we recognize that any time that we pray, the Bible says if you pray in the name of Jesus, he hears you. Well, you know he hears you if you're using the word. Just like Jehoshaphat, you take the word of God in prayer. Then there's no question about God hearing you because now you're reminding him of his promise. You're reminding him of what he's already said he'd do. Well, if he's heard you, then what else is there? He said if he hears you. He'll answer you. He'll certainly honor his word. There's nothing left for us to do. Paul said it this way, writing to the Ephesians. He said, and having done all to stand, stand therefore. Well, what is the standing therefore? Praising God for the answer. Praising God for the answer. Your answer is in your praises, not in your prayers. It's in your praises. Let's lift our hands and thank God for his word. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. It's so good to be healed. According to the word of God, we are healed by the stripes of Jesus. Jesus took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses, and with his stripes we are healed. Oh, Father, it's so good to be healed. It's so good to be healed. It's so good to be healed. By his stripes, we know that we're healed. It's so good to be healed. Hallelujah. Bless you, Lord Jesus. Lord, we praise you. We magnify you. We glorify your name, Lord Jesus. It's so good to be healed. It's so good to be healed.
It's so good to be healed. By his stripes, I know I'm healed. And it's so good to be healed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We worship you, Lord. We thank you. We praise your name. We glorify your name, Lord Jesus. We glorify you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that your word is true. Thank you that we were healed by the stripes of Jesus. Thank you that healing has already been accomplished. There's not one thing left to do to affect our healing. Jesus did it all. Jesus took our infirmities. Jesus bore our sicknesses. And with his stripes, we are healed. Thank you, Father, that we're healed according to your word. It's so good to be healed, Lord. By faith, we declare that we're healed from the top of our head to the soles of our feet. It's so good to be healed. It's so good to be healed. Hallelujah. We worship you, Lord Jesus. We bless you. We magnify your name. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed be the healing name of Jesus. Ha ha. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed be your name, Lord Jesus. It's so good to be healed, Lord. It's so good to be healed. It's so good to be healed. By your stripes, we know that we're healed. And it's so good to be healed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Blessed be your name, Lord Jesus. Blessed be your name, Lord Jesus. It's so good to be healed. It's so good to be healed. By his stripes I know I'm healed. And it's so good to be healed. It's so good to be healed. It's so good to be healed. By his stripes I know I'm healed. And it's so good to be healed. It's so good to be healed. It's so good to be healed. By his stripes I know I'm healed, and it's so good to be healed. Oh, Lord, we bless you. We magnify your name. Thank you that it's done, Lord. Thank you that it's done. It's not going to be done someday when we see a change in our bodies. It's done now. It's done now. And it's so good to be healed. It's so good to be healed. <laughs> now folks you can turn that song into anything it's so good to be free it's so good to have money you can turn that song into anything you want it to be as long as it's in line with the word you can praise God for, praise your way into victory that's really what we're talking about you can praise your way into victory in every situation every situation because faith's the same for healing as it is for finances or for anything else. You find the promise of God. You claim it by faith. Make your prayer of faith. And then from that point forward. You just thank him for the answer. That's what Abraham did. He was strong in faith. Giving glory to God. He praised God for the answer. Before he saw the answer. He sang his way into victory. You can too. Amen. Say it with me. It's so good to be healed. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being with us.